Hello and welcome back to the Skull Football Talk Show. I'm your host, Luke Schwant, and joining me now is my former juggling coach and also a friend and mentor in my life. Please welcome Paul Arneberg. Hey! And the crowd goes wild. Hello, everybody. Thank you for having me on today, Luke Schwant. And to start, do you want to introduce a little bit of who you are and then talk about our connection through your old juggling company and all that? Absolutely. Well, I was born in the very, very tail end of the 1960s. So right around when the Vikings were the purple people eaters in the 60s or 69 through the 70s, that was my coming of age as a young man. And rather than go into every bit of my background, I'll just say, I thought I was going to go to radio, kind of like your goal right now, Luke, you want to be in radio for a living. I thought I would do that too. Well, the Lord called me to youth work, which is how I know you. So for 31 years, I worked full time, first as a child care manager for older child uh, care kids, fourth to sixth grade. Then through that, I taught them how to juggle. And then for 25 years, full time, I was a youth juggling director, or another way to put it, an entrepreneurial tent maker youth minister. And, uh, but that's just the surface. So that's just what I do. And by the way, now I'm the director of Disciple by Doing at New Life Evangelical Free Church in Hastings. And I co-host a podcast through that church called Roots and Branches. But many things went into who I am, who I became, not only as a Christian, which is the most important thing to me, but also as a former juggling coach and a current vocational staff in my church. I have dabbled a lot in my life, uh, not just dabbled, my main thing has been theater and music uh, and youth work, of course. But as a young man in my grade school, high school and college years, I did a lot of theater, but I also did dabble in many sports. My favorite sport, which emerged out of that is running, but I also did basketball, football and baseball. And I've done table tennis in leagues and on teams. Um, And so athletically is a big thing to me. And then the other thing that has poured into my youth career and now my church career are all sorts of activities. I've done extensive backpacking trips with my brother and his Boy Scout troops. Uh, As a runner, I've done 12 marathons. Uh, I directed 32 annual juggling productions through Jugheads and the International Juggling Association. And through Jugheads, uh, we had a team that got the gold medal internationally in 2009 and won the state fair talent contest in the grandstand as a smaller team called the Five of Clubs in 2010. So uh, I have enjoyed competition, but also theater. And most importantly, my relationship with Jesus, which also informs my relationship with people. And so if that's a good introduction, but you know what? I, I have forgot to even talk about the Schwant connection, Luke. You came in as a little itty bitty third grader in about, uh, what was that? 2016, I believe. You yep. came in as a, as a rookie, uh, 2016. That was uh, actually, yeah, it was about 2016. So what have we got? Nine years ago now, or uh, seven, eight years ago. Um, and you were a little third grader and then you quickly not only learned the juggling skills, but then you were on the cutting edge of, as it began to expand our ministries through Jugheads, we did a thing called Juggling and Bible Camp, where we mingled juggling before and after lunch with chapel, Bible studies, food, a lot of friendships. And uh, that's kind of what I do now in my church and that I, I try to take activities like juggling or archery or any other number of activities, and I make them informed by our Christian faith and even excelled by our Christian faith. Meaning as Christians, we try to do excellence in all we do. And for me, it happens to have been juggling, but now it's also a lot of other things in my local church as you are pursuing excellence in your podcast. 
Yeah, thank you for talking about that. I know I really love our connection and I think it's so great how God put us together all yes. those years ago and that I was able to not only gain the skill of juggling, but learn so many life lessons along the way. Yes. Now, our first question, how important is it for athletes to have the belief that God has the ultimate control of the outcome in sports and also in life? Yeah, I like that question, Luke, because uh, I would say it's crucial. It is important, but um, it, it isn't crucial for an athlete to be a good athlete. Uh, in other words, belief doesn't necessarily, um, it, it doesn't necessitate uh, belief in God doesn't necessitate excellence in sports, but it definitely makes you better. So here's an example. Um, uh, any occupation, any relationship, any hobby, you could do it totally devoid of God. I mean, there's entire countries, most of the countries on the earth have no nothing in their constitution about the God of the Bible, at least. There's plenty that have other gods and other idols and secularism. Our United States is unique in that we do have God all through our constitution. But as far as athletics, it's not crucial to be a Christian to be a good athlete, but being a Christian definitely informs everything about what we do. And as far as God being in ultimate control, my, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is Romans 8, 28. And we know that God works all things together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And I'll tell you that often is applied to tragedy and hardship and trial. And I'll tell you, Sports, I believe, is a microcosm for all of life in that if you're going to be good at anything, you have to, what, what is that old phrase, Luke? No pain, no gain. It's yeah. a very common phrase among any athletes or coaches. Similarly, if anyone follows Christ and the word of God and the spirit of God, we know we are going to go through trials as God shapes us into the image of his son. So uh, when you ask if it's... Um, if it's crucial, or should I say, if it's um, important, you look at the majority of people, biblically speaking, uh, and I, I will drop a, um, a truth bomb right now. The majority of people are not believers, the majority. And Jesus said that clearly, narrow is the road that leads to life, broad is the road that leads to destruction that's in the, in the gospels. Um, but as far as if, if people listening are Christians, you can be a better athlete because you're a Christian but it wouldn't be accurate to say you can't be a good athlete if you're not a Christian. Uh, it's just faith informs what you do. And I'll say one of the most important aspects of faith is it helps us overcome our own failures. Not to mention the fact, overcome aging. How many athletes only have a very small window of time to be peak athletes? I, I think, isn't it true, Luke, that maybe strength exercises like weightlifters probably peak by the time they're in their young 30s? Yeah. Like distance athletes, you and I are both runners, good thing about distance runners is that we have well into our late 30s if not early 40s but still that's not a lot of time in life because you're only you're only going to be 16 coming are you 16 now i am 16. is it okay to say that publicly <laughs> you're a high school student uh and so you're definitely not yet at your prime as a runner but let's just say you get your prime around 20 and that lasts maybe 20 years that's not a long time but uh, the fact that you can trust the Lord, not only through your injuries as a young man and as perhaps a young adult, but you can find faith in him even beyond your body starting to slow down, which I'm 54, which I'll drop my age there, but I can still have joy as a runner all the rest of my life, 
even though I still struggle with injury, I struggle with other things. Um, so my faith informs all of my athletic endeavors as well as all of my other endeavors. Uh, but I will just say, if anyone's listening, you don't have to be a Christian to be a good athlete, but being a Christian really helps you overcome injury, disappointment, and frankly, it also helps to keep us humble even when we do get our goal, our victory, yeah. our PR, uh, and our world championship of whatever stripe it might be. And next, we see a ton of these like professional athletes or maybe college athletes with just huge fan bases giving glory to God on like social media and on TV. How can that influence other people, other athletes to do the same? I think it really does influence, and I'll throw in there celebrities of any kind. Athletes are some of the most revered celebrities, but movie stars, politicians, uh, uh, even our mentors, like you said, I'm honored to be one of your mentors in your life, Luke, but um, anyone that has a public presence, when that person gives glory to God, it's contagious, but uh, it's also vulnerable. One phrase I've developed over the years in my own various trials in life is vulnerability begets vulnerability. In other words, if you're emotionally transparent, people will be attracted to that and say, oh, it's okay for me to let my guard down when I'm around my friend Luke or around my friend Paul, because I can see that they're real people and they they don't try to keep up this facade all the time. They don't try to keep up their stiff upper lip and they're always stoic and all these things. But when you step out in faith, literally, like I give glory to Jesus Christ because of my victory, which is usually how we hear it. We don't often, unfortunately, hear athletes say, I give God all the glory for losing and falling in my face and getting last place, you know, but that's very biblical because uh, we are to give God the glory in all circumstances. In fact, we just celebrated Thanksgiving here in the United States. And, and 1 Thessalonians 5.18 is a very dear verse to me. This is off my notes, but I'll just say it from memory. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. And that would mean even when you duff your sport, whatever it is, if you, if you fail your exam, if you uh, fall in a race, if you uh, throw an interception and, and you lose the Super Bowl, still give God the glory. And you might say, that sounds counterintuitive. Well, that's the paradox of the gospel. Um, also, I'll go back to my notes and say this, that um, when we are vulnerable publicly, now again, that's kind of the thing, as common as, what are you doing now? You won the Super Bowl. I'm going to Disney World. Yeah, that's what Patrick Mahomes said last year after the Super Bowl when the Chiefs won. Uh, it's very common too, like Tim Tebow and many other Christian believers, like Kirk Cousins, our own beloved Minnesota Viking, who's on injured reserve, I'm sorry. But when these people give glory to God for victories, that's great, but it often comes with a cost. Because when we step out in any realm of, even a personal friend, you could be at the lunch table at your high school, or in my case, with a friend who's not a believer, you dare to say anything about the Lord, you're apt to be persecuted. And then I would say there's a couple of different major categories of persecution, Luke. What is soft persecution? People say, oh, I didn't know you're a God boy, or oh, uh, you're, you're some superstitious hocus pocus by that, that you don't believe in science or whatever thing they wanna throw at our face. And then there's something called hard persecution. They could actually go after you with uh, things that would make you hurt, like physical pain or economic pain. Um, one, It's one thing to get the cold shoulder because people are turned off that you are a Christian believer publicly. It's another thing when you actually start to experience pain from that. So one thing that is really 
very special when athletes give God the glory for a victory. It encourages others in their own little ways, give God glory for victory. But theologically, biblically, we should also practice how do we give God the glory for setbacks? I bet our brother in the Lord, Kirk Cousins, in some time in the last month since his injury, he probably has thanked God for it for whatever reason. We don't know, but that's why God commands us. Give thanks in all circumstances. That means all. It's not just Super Bowl victories and playoff victories and getting the multi-million dollar contract, or in your, in my case, let's just say you land a podcast contract, or if I get uh, some success in my job at church, uh, it's, it's when we fail because God uh, refines us through uh, his trials that he gives us. First Peter talks about that too. I can maybe refer to that verse later, but there's a lot of verses in the Bible about trials making us refined like gold. And that's when athletes give God the glory for actually getting the victory. I believe that gives them more courage to give God the glory when they don't get the victory because God is to be praised in all things, victories and defeats. Yes. And now that we're in the topic of giving God all the glory in pretty much everything you do, why should the viewers watching this, no matter if they're an athlete or not, give all glory to God in everything they do? Yes, well, uh, one of my favorite Bible verses, Luke, is um, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And that's a pretty broad statement. Eating and drinking is about as mundane as you can get maybe just uh, above sleeping and breathing, okay? But eating and drinking, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Christian believers should do this in every area of our lives. And and I'll tell you, Luke, that's that was a blessing for me. I grew up in a large Catholic family in Roseville. And like I said earlier, I was big into theater. I would do voice impressions. I was, I, I love doing, I love movies. I love these things that thought, oh no, but those things don't belong in a church setting. We got to be kind of a church people in one sense, but we can enjoy life in another sense. But I learned in college during a college ministry called InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, it's okay to use my most silly mundane talents like movies and voice impressions or ping pong or whatever, juggling for the glory of God. Uh, and so I would say, in fact, there's a, one of my favorite quotes is by a Dutch theologian about a hundred years ago, maybe more than that, named Abraham Kuyper. There's not one square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. So Jesus is sovereign. Therefore, if you're a Christian believer, you should do it to the glory of God because he's the one that gave you breath and life and everything in it. Having said that, while everyone will eventually give God the glory at the last judgment, it says in, in uh, Philippians 2 that every knee shall bow at the name of Jesus. Right now, we have free will. And uh, the bad news is not everyone does give God the glory. And even later at the last judgment, many, many people, again, the majority, unfortunately, theologically, that's what the Bible says, uh, the majority will do it unwillingly. They will, they will be forced to submit to God uh, and give him glory, but then he'll judge them for not having forgiveness in Christ. That's really bad news. And even me saying that publicly, that puts me up to vulnerability for persecution, but that's the truth. That's what the Bible says. If you want to look it up, Revelation 19 through 22, that's a big ch uh, four chapters about the end of the uh, world <laughs> and the beginning of the new earth. Um, but let me give you a, a little story about David Wheaton. Um, he is an athlete and, and he has really experienced both the extremes of um, 
non-believer as an athlete and believer as an athlete. If you don't know David Wheaton, he has his own podcast and radio show called The Christian Worldview. Look it up on iTunes or anywhere. Uh, I forgot, it's maybe christianworldview.org is his website. He was a fourth-ranked world tennis player from Minnetonka. He was so serious that during his, when he was a high schooler, like you are now, Luke, for all four years of his high school, he would train down in Florida with his parents professionally for tennis. He got, he, he won a world championship or uh, one of the majors, I think, of what do they call him in tennis? He won a major, major thing and he was ranked fourth in the world, which is huge for a male tennis player, fourth in the world. He said at that victory, he looked around and about 10 minutes after he won his tennis major, he felt empty. He was raised in a Christian home, but he really wasn't following Jesus. And now he will tell you, he's my age exactly. He's 54, born in, in uh, spring of 69. He said he doesn't believe he was even a believer when he got that world champion major tennis championship. It was after that, that David became a full born Christian, a fully born, born again Christian. And he said, then he became more competitive as an athlete. Now, I don't think he went on to win any other majors, but the point is David Wheaton experienced both sides of the coin. He was a non-believer who thought sports victories would give him fulfillment. They didn't. And it was actually that empty feeling, even through a victory, that gave God an open door. In fact, I believe God probably appointed the open door. Okay, I'll give you the victory, but you're still going to be hungry for me. He got the victory, and then he knew he wasn't going to be fulfilled by the victory. So then he became a Christian. But as a Christian, then David said, I'm not going to kind of slack off in my tennis, I'm gonna become even more competitive and more excellent for God's glory. So I think he's a great poster boy for both sides of the coin. It is very possible to be the best in the world as many, many, and perhaps most athletes are. When they get to be the top of their game, they're not doing it for God's glory, but it's not gonna fulfill them either. Whereas you and I, we could be duffer runners for the rest of our lives. I know you're a decent runner in track and cross country. Uh, I didn't make it to the varsity team. I was doing theater instead, but I've done 12 marathons. I've done a bunch of other joggling things, running and juggling at the same time. But nothing, no, no world championship or no championship that we could set for our own hearts. Let's just say winning the state cross country meet. That will not fulfill in and of itself. So you want to give God the glory if you get the state championship. You want to get the, give God the glory if you fail. But back to your original question, Luke, uh, the thing is that people aren't going to become a Christian through sports necessarily, but sports might give them the hunger for the true fulfillment that will only come in Christ because our bodies will age and decay. We will never win everything. Um, and we need to understand there's victory that be, it's beyond this life. And even in this life, we can have the peace of God, which passes all understanding, as it says in Philippians 4, 7. So that long diatribe, especially with David Wheaton as an example, we should give God all the glory. The reality is most people will not. And even Christians might struggle with, with making an idol out of sports. Instead, we have to keep sports in the proper perspective so that Sports are a vehicle to give God the glory rather than an idol to worship in and of themselves. And going back a couple months, you did a segment on my documentary on Adam Thielen, and you talked about the key points of like the connection of faith and sports, which is what this interview is. The theme of this interview is, could you describe those key points? I certainly could, Luke. I made some notes that day before I recorded the podcast for you, and uh, I know you enjoyed it, so I'll repeat them. There's three main points that I believe, and of course there could be more, 
and I'm not a professional coach anymore. I used to coach juggling 25 years. And I'm, by the way, I'm going to coach a little bit this second semester to a homeschool group. So it's kind of fun to keep that skill alive, Luke. Um, but the three main points are this. I'll say the points and I'll just give you some scriptures and some comments. And you can, of course, chime in as well, post Luke. Sports and faith both encourage endurance leading to character. Faith and sports both feature teamwork based on humility and the teamwork also is strengthened by humility and sports and faith point to the ultimate victory of Jesus Christ over sin and death and his future kingdom on the new earth okay so lots of scriptures I could use I'll just whittle it down to one main passage per point so faith and sports faith and sports not faith in sports but faith and sports as separate entities they are parallel in that they encourage endurance leading character. One of my favorite passages about that regard and in general theology is Romans 5, 1 through 5. In fact, I'm going to read, I'm going to indulge uh, the listener by reading the entire five verses. Therefore, this is ESV, English Standard Version. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace, grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. There's that phrase again, the glory of God. And here, here's a little verse three talks about sufferings, which I think every sport athlete has suffering and every Christian certainly has suffering. Verse three, Romans three, five, verse three. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. There's a key word. And endurance produces character, another key word, and I'll keep going. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts, hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So I whittle all that many words down to simply endurance leading to character. And character is a very popular word among coaches and athletes because, yes, I completely agree and believe and am a proponent of character through sports. In fact, at Jugheads, that was one of my, my, my mottos is that... Um, Jugheads, we always taught about goals, connections, and virtues. Virtues is another way of saying character, personal character, honesty, hard work, integrity, uh, all, all those things that are very biblical, I argue. They're biblical values, um, and athletes can learn those through the sport, but it, they point to the higher character. Christian character is willing to lay down one's life for one's friends, as Jesus said in John chapter 15, the highest form of love. Uh, so you look at any sport, again, you and I are both runners, you're a football show, uh, talk show host, and uh, we all have really, as Americans, enjoyed many sports over the years. We have the time and the money to have leisure in our lives. Look at any athlete. In fact, one of my favorite things to do, Luke, whenever the Olympics are on, especially the Summer Olympics every four years, I love to watch the backstories of what these people have overcome to become great at their sports. I wanna share anecdotes now, I'll just say that's, that is it. Okay, I'll go on to number two. I just saw that countdown so we can keep winning yeah. your time with your podcast. There's a good cue, visual reminder. Uh, so faith and sports both encourage endurance, leading to character, Romans 5, 1 through 5. Faith and sports also encourage or feature teamwork based on humility. Anytime anyone is on a team, you must be humble. I won't uh, disparage any former Minnesota Vikings, but I'll say that over the years, the athletes I was the most annoyed with are those who felt it was a one-man show. Uh, they thought they could carry the team on his own shoulders the entire season, and not just quarterbacks. We're talking running backs, wide receivers, even some defensemen, perhaps. You cannot do that. Again, 
Football is said to be the ultimate team sport. All 11 men in the field, any given time, must know that there's no one position more important than the other. Yes, the running back's going to get the most uh, running yards. The quarterback's going to get the most passing yards. Yada, yada, yada. But I bet, let me quiz you, Luke. Who is the most underrated, but often the most highly paid offensive person other than quarterback and running back or wide receiver? Which lineman is really, really valuable to the quarterback? Oh, left tackle. Left tackle, why? Because he protects the quarterback's blind side. The Blind Side. There's a movie called The Blind Side with Sandra Bullock. So exactly right. You know more about football than I do. So I, I thought it'd be cute and get you to quiz. <laughs> no. So that's a person. The left tackle. When uh, when Thielen, who was the subject of your documentary a couple of months ago, when Adam Thielen would get wonderful touchdowns and yardage and he was all star. He's just a great athlete and a great follower of God through Christ. Uh, he couldn't ever take all the glory because if it weren't for the left tackle, and for that matter, all the O-line and the linebackers, not the linebackers, and the, the fullbacks and the wide receivers even block for each other. Uh, he can't get the connection with Cousins if there's not everybody working together. So faith and sports feature teamwork based on humility, and it's also strengthened by humility. I would say, um, I heard an old phrase uh, on a podcast years ago that sports don't develop character, they reveal it. So in a lot of ways, an athlete will bring his own character to the team, which means you might have a really lousy character, but then sports have the benefit of shaping that character with good coaching and with your own humble attitude to be more humble and therefore a better team player. All that applies to the Christian faith because there's one phrase, many of your Christian listeners have probably heard this all their lives. If you're not a Christian, there's a phrase called the body of Christ. There's some mystery. Every Christian believer since Jesus rose from the dead until this day and until the end of this age before Jesus returns to set up his kingdom on the earth. Every Christian believer is part of the body of Christ. And he even says graphically in a couple of uh, portions in Romans and in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, that some of us are like a hand in the body of Christ. Some of us are like ears. Some of us eyes or mouths. Um, some of us have the gift of serving, which is kind of hands. Some of us have the gift of speaking, like Luke and I. We are speakers with the podcast we host, and therefore we have that. But just because we are primarily speakers doesn't mean we're more important than the audio engineers who invented the technological equipment to make this happen. Yeah. So we are part of a team, even in a podcast, let alone a sports team or the body of Christ. Okay, so with a few minutes remaining, I'll get to the third part. Oh, by the way, oh, I'm going to read this other passage, Luke. I didn't get to read this whole thing on your Adam Thielen docu, but I'm going to read this First Peter 5, 1 through 5. You can always edit it out if I get too long-winded, but I love this. Peter was my confirmation name when I was confirmed as a Catholic. I'm no longer a Catholic, but I learned a lot about the Bible through my Catholic upbringing. Um, First Peter 5, uh, five, did I say one through five? I meant to say five through 11. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. And my little cute anecdote is that's like a coach, an elder in a church is like a coach on a team. Uh, be subject to your elders, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. Again, teamwork. For God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. That's also repeated, that phrase, God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. It's also out of uh, James chapter four and Proverbs chapter three. Humble yourselves, therefore, this is verse six, first Peter five, six. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. 
And actually, I will stop there in the interest of time. But I'll say, if you read that First Peter five chapter, uh, and by the way, First Peter one talks a lot about the trials that make us golden because it burns off the chaff uh, and the dross, which silver has dross, and you burn it in the refiner's fire, and you're shining like silver. And by the way, when precious metals are, are boiled down and the dross is away, guess what? You can see better in the reflection, the maker. The, the maker that makes the gold coin and, and boils it down so that the dross is taken away, he can see his image. That's what God does to us. When he takes away our sin and he takes away our imperfections, he can see his own son in us more, which is why we need to embrace our trials and our sufferings. Easier said than done, Paul Arneberg, but that is the call of the Christian. Okay, so finally, uh, faith and sports point to the ultimate victory of Jesus Christ over sin and death and his future kingdom on the new earth. I read a book called Heaven by Randy Alcorn many years ago, and uh, that book really sheds a lot of more insights about what heaven will be like. Did you know that we'll probably get to play sports in heaven? Did you know heaven will be an actual physical earth? It's not, we're all gonna be angels. It's unbiblical. One of my favorite movies ever is It's a Wonderful Life. We watch it every Christmas Eve, my wife and me, but it's not true that Christians die and become angels. That's not true. We die and become uh, resurrected bodies eventually with physical bodies on a physical earth and we'll probably get to do recreation the rest of eternity and we'll get to work because work preceded the curse and the fall of Adam in, in, in uh, Genesis chapter 3. So if an athlete, and today Luke, I did a 5.5 mile run. I just set out to say, okay, you know, let's see, see how I do, how I feel. I said, oh, I'm, I'm doing a pretty good clip. Maybe I can get 8.15 per mile. And I clip it along and by the fifth mile, I was like 7.30, wow. So I averaged 8.07. And so in a sense, that was a little small victory for Paul Arnberg today. I got a sub 8.10 pace for a five and a half mile run. Two days ago, I did my first half marathon of the year, 13.1 miles. And I surprised myself, I averaged like 9.05. Wow, I do walk breaks and such like that. But those one workout represents a very small, tiny victory. You're breaking down your muscles to build them up again, okay? When a Christian reads his Bible, one chapter of the Bible is like you're breaking down your own will and conforming it to the will of the Father. The ultimate victory as an athlete is getting that championship, making the team, getting the Super Bowl, getting whatever you can imagine. Again, it could be for a runner, running a marathon, qualify from Boston, qualifying for the state track meet or cross country meet or whatever. But none of those are victories in and of themselves. They point to the larger victory. And that brings me to the, the passage I read earlier on your on your faith um, podcast regarding Adam Thielen. First Corinthians 9, 7. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive an imperishable, a perishable wreath, which means it dies. That's like a little garland of flowers around the head. But we, an imperishable, Christians run for an imperishable wreath that will not die, a reward in heaven on the new earth. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. Oh, I lost my place. But I discipline my body. One of my favorite words too is discipline. I discipline my body and keep it under control lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. So by the way, discipline, the root word for discipline is disciple. If you're a Christian, you should be as disciplined in your Christian walk with the Lord as you are to be a good athlete. But it all comes through grace. So you look at those three points again, faith in sports, endurance, lead in character, teamwork based on humility. It points to the ultimate victory in Jesus. 
So practice the victory, practice endurance, practice teamwork, but know that you're practicing for the ultimate kingdom of the Lord, where maybe we get to do podcasts, play football, and be friends forever because of the blood of Jesus that forgives us from all sins and allows us to be excellent like David Wheaton after he became a Christian, was even a better tennis player. We want to be the best podcasters we can be, the best football players, the best runners. And that's about all I have for now, Luke, unless you have any closing comments on the remaining 53 seconds. Yes, I do. Thank you so much, Paul, for being on my podcast. I really appreciate it. I think it's great that we're spreading this on our platforms. You have your podcast and I have mine, and I'm going to continue to do that. Good. And yeah, so thank you for hopping on my show. And to the viewers, thank you so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed it. I really hope you and enjoy learning and listening about the connection of faith and sports and giving all glory to God in sports. Thanks again for watching and I will see you in the next one. Many, many interviews coming soon. Get excited for it. Yes, thanks again and I'll see you in the next episode.